And it's the free Western Kabuki in which we will survey a couple of villains. Uh, I am Wack Nicholson, as always, joined by the beautiful Caleb Bird Respector. Caleb, how are you? Doing fantastic. I uh, just I- got done smoking a cigarette after that. You smoked a cigarette after that? Yeah, we just had a wonderful conversation uh, with uh, Brian Krasenstein. Um, Juniper, how do you feel about our, after our, uh, our, our our conversation with him? I am I, I'm elated. I Multiple times during that interview, I, I stood up and walked around because, like, I'll be honest, we fu- I feel like we cooked him. We, we, <laughs> we put his ass to the fire. We, we, we got his ass a little bit. I, I couldn't believe uh, how we, we handled that one. That was, that, that was, so that was to great. all of you who, uh, you know, in the Discord or who DM me were like, you, you let him get off the last time he was uh, on the show. I think you might. It's the only thing one. anybody said to us. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired of getting tagged in Krasenstein content. Now you can stop. You can listen to it. Uh, justice has been done. Yeah, we we got his ass. We 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 really held his ass to the fire uh, in this last interview. At least that's how it, that's how it felt when we were talking to him uh, just about like a couple of minutes ago. And we could not think of any better person to join us to discuss the cooking of the Krasensteins <laughs> than the, the the Twitter man himself, Jules Sudstaltsev. How are you today? I am amazing. Thank you for having me on. This is one of the best, uh, most requested topics for me that we could possibly be doing and talking about uh, <laughs> just one of the most odious, worst, dishonest people on Twitter and cooking him, dunking him, serving him. I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, you're going to talk about some stuff that we talked about in the premium, but some stuff we weren't able to get to uh, with the, with the beautiful bros. Um, and, and Caleb's been cooking on this for a while. He's teased it a lot in the discord. Um, Caleb, you want to tell us a little bit about the early life of the, uh, the young Kras bros? Yeah. So we didn't really get a chance to talk about that. Um, in the last episode, and even frankly, not that much in in the it's towards the end of the the interview we just did with him is just like so everybody knows them as like the oh the Ronald Plump awful children's book guys, but what they some people may know like <laughs> just a little bit about like their uh, financial crimes, uh, <laughs> their syndicate of websites that caused the Department of Justice to seize $450,000 from them uh, through money laundering. Uh, a char- well, they were never charged. That's a thing that they like to, to point out. But essentially, like, they're, they started out online just like selling baseball cards on, on, on eBay and, and um, making money online where they were like, wait, let's make, like, a whole deal where they kind of graduated into, like, making these uh, web forums that were – I mean, they had, a like – a, a whole network of sites that appeared to operate independently uh, when they were working kind of in tandem, but like there were like the two main ones that people talk about are like the moneymaker group and talkgold.com, where like they were specifically like reviewing or they weren't as they'll be quick to say they were not, but the websites would review hyps, which are like Ponzi schemes essentially. And it's a forum where people could uh, review these yeah. <laughs> and uh, review these these Ponzi schemes. And essentially, to my mind, like, and to the Department of Justice, I suppose, mind too, like, what had happened is they're taking ad advertisement money to advertise these on the forum. But they'll say the Krasnstein's will say, well, 
you know, we weren't actually reviewing these, but what they were doing was taking money for some of these services. And then as soon as enough people realized it was a scam, they'd be like, oh no, hey, we have to make a scam alert about this thing. And then they just make room for the next one. Um, so like that, <laughs> the Michael Patrin guy was, he was one of the earlier guys on there. Um, that we talked about in, in the interview. So he ran, uh, he, he was a guy that like, he ran an exchange for uh, e-currencies, which were like a more centralized proto crypto kind of thing where like, if you didn't want to use USD for, you know, re reasons that I'm sure are not unscrupulous at all, you could essentially, this guy would launder your money. He would, you could send, he, you could send him either e-currencies and he'd send you USD or vice versa. So, and he would advertise literally in the copy of his ads would be like, Hey, if you want to hide your trail financially, like this is the service to do it. And like, uh, as the, as, uh, Brian would mention, like, uh, Part of the reason that drew the ire of the, the DOJ was like a Russian cabal of like essentially the Russian mafia people were using this to like launder their money and among other kinds of people that were doing terrible things. So uh, by Brian's own admission, <laughs> he talked to this Michael Patrin guy and his business partner for Quadriga, which was a, um, a Quadris, Quadriga CX, which is like a crypto thing that would would go would happen much later. He talked to them every day on this website by his own admission. I don't think that he realizes that the comments that he was making about that are still public, <laughs> um, because he kind of tries to downplay his relationship with Michael. Um, but then you can go back and read old stuff. Well, I tell, oh, I talk to this guy every day. And the funny thing about this is this guy that's essentially laundering money for criminals and advertising on uh, the Krasenstein's website. Uh, his his username on the Krasnostan's website was the word velour, and that's the translates to the word thief in French. So it's like, <laughs> like, so they, he tries to like kind of like downplay like a his relationship with him. And, oh, I didn't know what he was doing. But it's like okay, but by your own admission, you're talking to this guy that's doing financial crimes on your website every day. And then there was the in the discovery for the Department of Justice. Um, his brother, Ed, he was like, oh, he was just pretending to be a criminal when he was talking to this guy, like, you know, because his account was, the website was hacked and all this bullshit. So I guess it's like really uh, convoluted because they ran, you know, dozens of websites that were like high up reviews, uh, high yield uh, interest, whatever they're called, the, the Ponzi schemes. And it's by design that they're like that. So that it's really difficult to kind of pin them down. But I guess like at the end of the interview, I was just trying to like draw a through line between like, hey, you guys have been on the periphery of lots and lots of financial crimes. And now you're like kind of going hard in the paint for Elon, who's advertising the system where, you know, <laughs> a lot of people pay in and only a few people make money. Is that weird? Like, is that like, what do you do it? Like, what's going on there? <laughs> Yeah, because like like most people aren't typically like the average uh, American citizen is typically not involved in financial crimes. Like I'll be honest, I, I don't know very many Americans <laughs> who who've uh, engaged in financial crimes, but they, like they have seemed to have been parts of or in directly involved with at least like what two no, or three multiple. major financial multiple financial crimes like financial crimes that go all the way back to like 2004 like this the, so that's the thing is he tries to say well we didn't do this but all that they really did was create like the architecture that other people could prey upon you know kind of like in the crypto environment today where people are trying to make money and they're trying to get out of like you know working class middle class doldrums and you're not getting anywhere 
So you turn to like these advertisements you see where like you can make money online and well, where did all this shit happen? Where are all these people losing their shirts? Well, it happened on the Krasenstein's websites. You know what I mean? So they can say all they want that we didn't actually do any of these financial crimes, but they were, they weren't like masterminding. I don't think that they were, but again, when you're like, (laughs) when you're behind the scenes in financial crimes for like fucking 20 years, are you really that innocent? Like, even if like he says they've never been charged, which is true. Uh, do you really think that there's no blood on their hands? Do you really think that they were that just, oh, shucks, golly gee, I didn't know what these people were doing on my website from 2004 to now, basically? Oh, I, I'm just super impressed that they've been able to find new repeat grifts. Mm-hmm. Like starting, it doesn't seem like they've ever had a real job, like a like a paid, you know, salary job. Like uh, the starting from selling um, baseball cards mm-hmm. is, you know, that's like a fun kid entrepreneur grit. Sure. Like running running <laughs> a Ponzi scheme or a website that facilitates Ponzi schemes. That's watching them do this pattern and leading to what they're doing on Twitter right now is kind of incredible. Like like the longevity and the the repeat business that they're able to garner here is kind of amazing. And obviously they know exactly what they're doing. They're not like stumbling blind through from one grip to another grip to another grip like their <laughs> history of of starting uh uh what forums websites they did that that they had that uh what is called hill reporter website um <laughs> we that they also sold <laughs> they, they it's it's kind of i mean uh, you know as as horrible as they are it's there's a level it's kind of impressive that they're doing all this so publicly and so uh with such a big dumbass smile on their face that I, uh, you know, I'm impressed by the grift to an extent. Yes. And um, I have to give Brian, at least I wish we'd gotten to talk to Ed as well, but I have to at least give Brian credit. Twice he's been on our show. And we, uh, as hard as we tried to like, we, we, I mean, we laid into him, but the guy is fucking made out of iron. I have to give him credit for that. If nothing else, <laughs> the guy is made of fucking, <laughs> he, he's, he's, te- he's Teflon, not iron. He's Teflon. He will not let anything <laughs> stick to him. I can tell how they got out of that um, that, that <laughs> Department of Justice uh, interrogation. Dude, they're strong they, as fuck. Yeah, they bodied shit. like yeah, seven yeah. prosecutors because they just can't. They're just <laughs> smiling at them and be like, oh, gee, golly shucks. We didn't know, sir, or whatever. Like, I don't, you know. All- Isn't it more important to have the conversation about these crimes than it is to worry about who did what when? <laughs> Yeah, like like right at the end of the interview, right before he wrapped up, he said he was like getting nervous, or he, like he said he was nervous. But I mean, I mean, throughout the yeah. interview that we talked to him, the the whole hour and a half, like you couldn't really tell that he was like sweating. Like he, he like these people, they've been through the ringer before. Like you can tell. Jules, how did you get interested in them in the first place? Oh man, well that's that's actually a little bit embarrassing for me uh, <laughs> because. You know, I, I first noticed them when they were doing the uh, Trump reply guy thing, which I was also doing. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's, listen, it's effective, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, being like a Trump dude, uh, Trump reply guy, but like from the left was really fun. Oh, it was right? super fun. And I mean, that's that's kind of where they came on my radar first and were immediately super annoying because there were a bunch of us who were doing, you know, reply guy shit. Where who who knew about politics? Who had like been paying attention? Who had like some understanding of like uh, economics at the very least? And so Trump would say something ridiculous, like he would he would I don't know he tweet something about like 
Like, uh, the forest is on fire. I can't believe we're, we, we don't have enough money in forest management. And it's like, you know, a, a month earlier, he had just defunded forest management. And if you had paid any attention, <laughs> you could get a lot of, you know, you'd get a lot of views, get a lot of likes, get a lot of followers by calling that out. And the Krasenstein's never did that. They would just do this, this shtick of, um, you're a horrible guy. Boom. Uh, if you, if you, <laughs> if you think Trump sucks, retweet this. Boom. <laughs> yeah. That, the, the, the boom was like their their iconic phrase. And, yeah. is, is and you touched boom. on it yeah. in our in our interview with him, June. That like, uh, thank I you did. for reading we're, those yeah, tweets. I brought that man. up. Oh. They were the <laughs> they were the cringe lib guys. Why not just keeping the cringe lib guys? It was working so well. Yeah, I think it's because they're not lib guys. I think that's the heart yeah. of it. Is yeah, I, I've I've talked about this a lot, but like, well, not a lot, but like I talk about this on Twitter where people say like, oh, these guys are just motivated by money. They'll say anything. That's not quite true. These guys are like, you know, moderate conservatives. They yeah. just found their money, or they at least they found the attention that they believe would lead to money, as it did, um, in doing this lib shtick, because there's just a huge audience yeah. for it. But these guys are like pro-cop, pro, uh, uh, like DOJ, pro, uh, you know, all the three-letter agencies, landlords. Like, these guys are, like, these guys are conservative. Yes. And I think that that is kind of where they were also able to sneak under the radar is that they clearly were just like never Trump Republicans that realized that if you uh, just continue to be never Trump, people will confuse you for a Democrat. And, and exactly. That's how you can make the real money. And I, I don't doubt that they do vote for democrats like i'm sure they do like like when he says he'll he'll like take on right-wingers like i i I do believe that they're not like specifically like trump voters or like going to be desantis voters like you know they're they're i don't think they're specifically right wing but i i think i I think the through line in in our talk with them and and from what we've seen in the elon era of twitter is that maybe money is like the primary factor of like the, the primary operating factor of what most of their ideology is and what they like will espouse online. I, th- I think that's kind of what our, our through line in our, our previous talk with him just now was. And, and I, I think their ideology as a whole. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's worth pointing out that that sort of, um, moral less moral <laughs> that sort of uh, lack of morals around making money is a really conservative uh, type of thing. Yes. So I think it's still like I, I totally agree. They're just in it for the money, no matter where that money takes them, um, because at heart they have no real values. Um, and from like, again, their entire history and career is no value um, money seeking. It, it feels it feels really obvious to the point where it is really surprising when people don't see it, uh, like in interacting with them or giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think that there's a certain context stripping that takes place on Twitter where people just don't know who these guys are. They just know that they are. I mean, I guess that it used to feel that way. Like at least they used to parrot so, like a, a, a sort of like ideological talking points. But now is it just he? seems like all they do is advertise Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're they're posting since they started getting paid. It has been has been so blatantly, you know, they were doing clickbait before, but now they're you know now they're like grabbing random screenshots of like memes and being like, "What do you guys think of this?" 
it's it's so diluted to the point of being like it's it's a fire hose of noise for money which is honestly almost better than some of the ideological stuff they were pushing i mean the uh you know the cops smashing <laughs> that kid's head through the window uh, yeah do we want to get into that specifically because i i feel like that was like a really really disgusting uh we we didn't talk to him about that specifically but that was like a moment where like espe- especially you jules you went like really hard yeah. into the krasen scene specifically i think it was brian about the the whole uh um, yeah that was in new york right the whole yeah, cop yeah. influencer can, situation can you yeah. explain that that particular incident and how the krasensteins how do i want to say this exploited it i guess yeah, I mean, um, so I think that moment was a really big like mask off. I mean, they had been they'd been teetering on on the edge of like revealing the the, the you know their core values here when when challenged. But this was a really big moment where so so essentially what happened is um, there's a big uh, there's a big I'll call it a gathering um, in Union Square because I already forget the name of the the guy who who started it. But, um, you know, some, some YouTuber was doing a giveaway and, um, like, you know, a million like teens showed up at Union Square. It's New York. They're, they're around. It's easy to get to. Um, and it caused like, I don't even, I wouldn't even call it a riot. Like I, I live near Union Square and, you know, riots have lasting impact. This did not. Um, but in the middle of that, obviously the NYPD showed up and just started literally, literally cracking skulls. And so there's a video of, um, you know, this kid, he, he, t- like to me, and I think to everybody else, he looks like a kid. He looks under 18, um, who's kind of, who's part of the crowd, but in this video is doing nothing. There is not one moment in this video where he is doing a single thing wrong. In fact, people are running and he is standing in place. And because he's standing in place, the NYPD grabs him and smashes him up against, uh, the back of a taxi, uh, breaking he smashes his head against the um back windshield of the taxi breaking it and it's just such a clear-cut example of you know nypd police brutality we know it we hate it we've seen it it's it's truly nothing new and the reaction to this clip in general online was like oh my god they've done it again look at how they're brutalizing literal children um especially this one who's who hasn't done anything and the clip is graphic like you see this kid's head smashed through the window um he pulls back and you see even in this relatively low resolution clip that his face is bloody it's it's like a pretty horrific thing to see and so brian krasenstein grabs this and by the way quick note grabs the video of this strips out the watermark of yeah, the person who removed the watermark that was so funny you removed the watermark that's why that clip is no longer um, available on his on his page because it's it's he <laughs> stole this video um, and he stole the video in order to say, um, you know what? We don't know the whole story. We don't know what this kid was doing. Um, frankly, these kids were running amok. Um, maybe the cop overreacted, but also um, it doesn't look like this kid's head even it doesn't look like this kid's head even broke the windshield. It looks like the cop's hand broke the windshield. So, you know, we'll see what happens. The cops will investigate themselves and definitely come to a conclusion that is just and fair and real and everybody will, will be fine. But let's not like jump to conclusions about this, um, which is just such a disgusting. I hate to, I, it's. I don't think it's a centrist take. It's a really disgusting take for your first reaction to a video of, 
uh, video of clear cut police brutality um, to use that as an opportunity to sort of um, get your more centrist right leaning followers on your side, because that's obviously all it is. It's not like he saw this and was sparked with a moment of, Oh, I got to get the, I got to get my opinion out here about this. This is calculated. This is, you know, finding any opportunity to draw in more of the crowd that, in my opinion, the crowd that follows Elon, that is generally going to be more conservative, more like right leaning, more pro cop, um, and use that as an opportunity to grow his base, which is what every, you know, every single tweet he's doing is an opportunity to grow his base. Um, and so to me, that was, that was disgusting. And also, again, such a mask off moment because a couple of weeks earlier, I had called him out and discovered that he had been a landlord. Um, and I don't know why that took so long. I remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a really interesting, I, I kind of watched that one from afar, you and him kind of going back and forth about the whole landlord thing. Yeah. I stumbled down to that completely by accident. That was just me clowning on him. Like, like I was joking about like, oh, you get paid to tweet. Cause I knew he didn't get paid to tweet at the time. This was, this was before the, um, this was before any kind of, uh, uh, you know, revenue monetization share. sort of. Yeah. 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 Um, but I knew that the reason he was like trying to grow this audience was to make money off of it. This is, that's the only reason they've done, you know, any of the things they've done. And so I was accusing him of that. I was saying like, Oh, you, you know, you, um, you're just doing this to make money eventually. And he's just like, Oh, I don't even make money. I make money elsewhere. This is all free. And I was like, well, how do you make money? What do you do? It's, it's not clear. And then, ju- like, as a joke, I was like, are you a fucking landlord? And then, <laughs> and then somebody DM'd me a screenshot of him talking about when he got raided by the, um, uh, uh, was, was it the FBI? DOJ. Or, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, we went into that in the interview a little was bit. It was the DOJ yeah, service, as well. it? Yeah. No, it was the Department of this Justice. DOJ? Oh, okay. Yeah, the DOJ. Okay. So, so somebody sent me a screenshot when he was, he, he wrote this like 10,000 word post about, about how traumatizing it was <laughs> to be uh, raided by the DOJ. Um, and in it, he mentions that they seized one of his rental properties. And I just, I was giddy. That was so, that was perfect. <laughs> of course he's a fucking landlord. Yeah. So imagine getting evicted by a Krasenstein. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I wish I could do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a very distinctive they voice. They really do. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not making fun of it, but I mean, they, they just do. I, yeah. It is a both of them. It is a very silly voice uh, to have. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, the the you know, watching the pieces come together that that form this picture where oh yeah, these guys are just like they're not just grifting, but ideologically they are. Um, not leftists and they have a lot of leftist followers and that's awful to see as a leftist um so yeah the the i went after them uh for, for this uh for you know doing propaganda and and in the in the dumbest form possible um and you can tell when they get really really defensive they they really have i mean they have a tell in that you can call them out all day long but if you really get them uh you know, get them where they live, which is in conservative Florida. Uh, no, if you get them where they live as a as conservatives, they will get really defensive, re- like start talking in circles around it. They only respond to me, uh, which is also, I don't know why they respond to me. That's this. That's I'm never gonna. They're always like, come on, alive. That is funny that they've 
like that that is funny to me that they've they've kind of come after you or at least brian i I don't know if ed has but brian has uh two separate occasions like a month apart which i i thought was pretty impressive because we felt i mean me and him have been mutuals and we've talked to him before he's never responded to me um (laughs) you got to get him riled up so it's astounding you got to call him yeah i I don't get him well yeah i mean that's what that's what i said to him in the interview is that like everything he says it's like an explanation of why one would think that this could be the case. And it's like, nah, bro, I'm asking you why you did this, not like what could have been a thing that could have existed because that is what they do. They will talk you in circles endlessly. They will just be mm-hmm. like, they will have analogies. They will have um, just uh, 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 counterfactuals that, that have no bearing on the conversation. It's, it's a very familiar pattern. Like, if you hear them do it more than once. I think my experience with them has been that um, you can catch them in ideology. You can catch them in places where because they're not leftists, because they're not really, because they, they, you know, only have this surface level understanding of um, like politics, social politics, economics. You like the, the landlord thing um, was amazing because he goes, Oh, so you're going to tell me that everybody who's a landlord is, is a terrible person? He doesn't get it. He has no idea. He he'll yeah. walk himself into the trap. I mean, that's that's where you get them. It's it's surprisingly easy given the opportunity. That's a great way to put it. Too is talk them into an ideology, like get them to admit what they believe in order to uh, expose what rotten little cretins they are. I think they're a symptom of really like liberal like heavy liberal centrist ideology especially in the era of elon musk's social media which which uh kind of incentivizes being very and i I, i'm not not to say that elon musk is like a centrist because he's not i mean elon musk is very clearly far right but it incentivizes platforming right-wingers and and being very like you know like very kind to right-wingers you know it's 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 a very it's a very right-wing time on social media i think part of this that that makes a lot of sense is that um part of what they're doing is extending an olive branch to these conservative conservative communities um that have been uh abandoned and have been like ridiculed and mocked rightly so yeah yeah so you know when you see them do this kind of stuff when they're playing this centrist shtick it's not really centrism it's them saying you know what you can be a literal nazi you can be an actual full-fledged nazi but you know what we're here to talk we're here to listen yeah ex- that's entire that's, that. that's like most of what we <laughs> talked to him about we, we like said that to his face we we, we fucking got him on that yeah. so fucking hard like what's the value what's the value in talking to nazis i keep forgetting that the the the, the QAnon shaman uh guy's name Chansley exactly but, Chansley. but we we confronted him yeah Chansley mm-hmm. we we confronted him on that and and I um, actually used your potentials where for, you like or it was like a, a, a screenshot of him replying to someone else like oh I would talk to Nick Fuentes if I could and I'm like how yeah how do you yes. expect any of us to fucking take you seriously when you're saying this stuff you know he just had Bill like, Mitchell I, I, on. It's it's he's <laughs> not like that's so nasty. I did not it's know. Crazy. Dude. I didn't even know you could get yeah, no, Bill Mitchell on. 
<laughs> no, 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 because that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, I'm sure we could get Bill Mitchell. <laughs> Bill Mitchell talks like these people, these like never Trump centrist types, but like they're still right wingers. That that's their whole shtick, you know? Like they they want to Yeah, we could they, get they Bill Mitchell, we could get they, Jacob Wall, we could get uh yeah. James O'Keefe. These guys would do the show. <laughs> we're not like trying to figure out how to get big names on here, so we're going we're reaching out to known liars. Like that's what the Krasensteins are very obviously doing. Yeah. But but they're good, like, in my opinion, they're they're good proxies to kind of like observe this kind of very centrist um legitimization ideology of of not only like Elon, but like the right wing where they'll be like, oh, we're just having conversations. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is like a topic I I feel like a lot of people on the left have had since like 2016, you know, and, and like 2020, where it's just like, oh, is is there value in in talking to like right wing personalities or like even more centrist personalities? But but I feel like the Krasen scenes in particular are just like such a good proxy for that conversation because that that's we we've seen the shift in them where they would in the past be like those Trump reply guys where they're like, Oh, Trump is going to be indicted. Uh, boom on, on this, this thing, boom, you know? And then like now they're, they, they'll talk to the QAnon shaman or like, you know, like they're, they're a good like proxy for this conversation. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's not literally Donald J. Trump, they are cool with them. Like anyone else. No, no, no. But in, in, our, in our interview, he even said, Brian, yeah, breaking news. Brian said he would talk to, to Trump. The author of the <laughs> he, Ronald he said they would Plunk talk to book Trump. has fallen. Yeah. yeah no and, and I, there. yeah. And I asked him, what value do you think you can get? Like, what value can anyone get from a conversation between the Krasenstein brothers and Trump? What could we learn about Trump or the Krasenstein brothers that we don't already know from a conversation? What are you facilitating? What are you making happen? And they just don't have a good answer to that. Well, because the answer is just more attention on themselves yeah. from the from the audiences that they want, which are right wing audiences. I feel like there's there. It's I'm interested if there is a way to talk them into admitting that because it is so obvious. But I imagine that all they do is just lean on. Well, conversation is good. That's how we bridge gaps. That's how we bridge. Yeah. That's how we fix this country. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that that's definitely what what he leaned into. Uh, so, so I think we had a we have a PowerPoint Ooh. or or some uh, some information prepared. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that both yeah, of them yeah, yeah. or is that just that's one of them? of them? I, I you know I've I've seen pictures of both of them, but I've I've never realized just how yeah, identical they look. Exactly they the look. same. <laughs> I mean, like identical, identical. They like, look so similar that they almost I don't know how to explain it. It's they look like it's clones. uncanny. <laughs> it's it's interesting because Brian is hands down the he's the ringleader. I mean, uh, if you can be a he's ringleader, the alpha. he's the alpha. I Ed, he's the alpha. I don't interact with Ed. Ed has nothing. Ed is not fun to talk to. Ed is just <laughs> Ed is like a Chat GPT version of what Brian is is putting out. Like he's just like I listen. If there were video proof, I would fully just assume that it's one guy. <laughs> doing that it's just a guy named krasenstein brothers like brothers is his last name like it's this it's the same as like when when um sorry i i I do want to dive into this but um it's the same as when you know when they got kicked off um and i think it was brian's wife heidi um started tweeting that's that's yes. Brian. That's there's no. Yeah, he admitted on. that. He admitted that to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. He admitted to it. <laughs> yeah, he, oh my yes. god. <laughs> he admitted. Yeah, yeah. It's, yes. one, it's pretty early in the yeah, interview. Yeah, pretty early. It, on, it should be in yeah, the, the premium. Like, yep, that's I, a scoop. Uh, 
that that has not been admitted yeah. yet. It it should be in the the free because we're we're gonna do about I think like fifteen minutes of the interview free. I think that should be within the first fifteen That's minutes. Good. He admits that he did go on his wife's Twitter. Profile. People will care more yeah. about that than let him <laughs> like it. Hey, uh, people yeah, are giving yeah. you money to do crimes like these criminals are giving you untraceable money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're just going to say that? Yeah. But uh, actually, my wife was me on Twitter, so that's the scoop. Yeah. He's uh, like, my wife had an yeah. account, and I did post from it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they sold baseball cards. Um, now, we talked about this in the interview, and I genuinely, and Caleb's already described it, I still don't really understand what those centralized e-currencies are. Um, because Literally they really just only a way like- to do crime. That's to buy drugs yeah. on the internet. It's like what it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't really know. Because we, we, it was kind of described as like proto, uh, proto crypto. So like, what is it? Like, like it's, it's crypto, crypto without the blockchain. It is. Like, That's, what is it? It just didn't have but the that, blockchain. Yeah, uh, but isn't that like what a Chuck E. Cheese token is as well? Yeah, literally. Crypto- yes. Literally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's money laundering. <laughs> it is literally just money laundering, and that's why I'm trying yeah. to like I'm trying to, to hammer this home. Like when he's talking to that Michael Patrin guy, he's advertising in the ad copy of, of of on this website. He's saying like, "Oh, you can erase your financial trails by using me as your e currency. Uh, what what are they called? Uh, um, uh, exchange. You know, it's the same as a crypto exchange, except for again, it's you just, know what they." They remind me of. Did you guys ever see this movie? It's not a very good movie. Uh, called Middlemen with Luke Wilson. No, Mm-mm. you guys hey. don't know this movie. Guess I missed it that is, one. <laughs> it is about. Um, it is about the early payments processors in the early days of the internet um, in like the mid nineties, and they basically became the way to buy pornography. Uh, and because they facilitated so many transactions to buy porn, they were like investigated by like the SEC to see if they were violating any laws in like human trafficking. And, and they ran into all these issues and were ultimately exonerated. Um, and it's, uh, very similar to, uh, what I understand the Krasensteins to be doing pretty much for the past 20 years. There is a link in so all, all, all the early stuff. I, I don't know what the rest of the slide is going to look like, but uh, in the early stuff that we're talking about, these fina- the financial crimes part of this slideshow, there's a link in one of them that goes to amycaster.com. And she's like an independent journalist that has written very extensively about, um, you know, not just the Krasensteins, but like the people that they worked with and shadow crew and Patrin and Gerald cotton. And like why Michael Patrin was formerly named like Omar Dahani uh, or whatever, whatever his last name was. I don't have it in front of me. He changed his name like three times and it goes in. Like, if you really want the details of like what these guys were doing and why it matters, it's amycaster.com. And um, one of the posts is linked in that. Um, so Omar Dahani, um, he is one of their clients and their preferred exchanger. So he was one of these guys that worked on this site, or is this a different operation? So he he advertised. Well, see, the thing is, if you listen to the interview, Brian will not. He knows he knows the answer is yes. Listen 
carefully when I ask him this because I ask him like four <laughs> fucking times. Did this guy advertise on your fight? He's yes, rehearsed he's, this. Well, he's had he's to answer this to this, a fucking yeah. prosecutor. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so the answer is yes. This guy did yeah. advertise on on at least one of uh, the Krasinski's many websites. Um, these, oh yeah, he did kind of admit to that in after, our talk with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. listen to it. It's it's it, it's interesting how he chose to answer some of these um, because again, my follow up question was. Are you worried that any other branch of the federal government is going to pop you for some of this stuff? And he, you know, <laughs> he he didn't seem to like that question for reasons. But um, th- this guy, and then his his partner Gerald Cotton, um, started later. This is irrelevant to the Krasnstein's, but it's just funny. Um, this guy, they would start their own. Um, I get a crypto exchange that would go a Ponzi scheme thing that would end up defrauding people of hundreds of millions of dollars. And this Gerald Cotton guy who, again, Bride admits to talking to uh, online almost every day. He was like, I think 30 at the time. And he has, because of the dumb way that crypto works, he has passwords that have access to $250 million of his client's money that only he has access to. This guy checks into a hotel room in India with his wife and uh, says he's not feeling good, has his hotel drive him to the hospital where uh, he's somehow pronounced dead and the hotel requests to have the body embalmed and they can't access $250 million of money mysteriously right as these indictments start flying. So like draw your own conclusions, but basically a lot of people are thinking that you know, this guy faked his own death or, or whatever the case may be, uh, or at least they were when I first heard about this. This is a Netflix documentary about the whole thing, Quadra CX. It's fucking crazy. But again, it doesn't directly tie, that doesn't directly tie back to Ed and Brian. But when you look at these are the guys that were paying the money to advertise on their multiple websites and who they were hanging out with online, you start to see some patterns. And that's kind of where I was trying to like get him to talk about those things a little bit. And he was very clearly uncomfortable with that so michael patron the other gentleman here uh omar danani uh aka sifu uh is another one of his uh uh, 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 french uh, word alias uh, or velour as well um i linked several uh financial crimes he was implicated in here um (laughs) including uh, so like high yield investment programs are essentially just financial Ponzi schemes. That was a that was the crypto Ponzi scheme. This one is a uh, identity theft Ponzi scheme where they were selling <laughs> oh, <yeah>. users' identities. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Scams on scams on scams. Never stop scamming. Uh, co-founder. They're on the grind set for scams. Actually, Oh, he was convicted in Egypt for some other scams as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah this really... dude, this dude knows all about being convicted for scams, and th- this is someone who, in, in he Brian has admitted to talking to every day, every at single one day, point. every single. Well, I think day. he said almost every day. Let's let's get the facts almost straight. Every facts day. matter. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and this one, which Caleb blinked, which is a uh, it, which is the the one that we've been talking about. Um, quadriga which was the scam that advertised on brian's scam um and this is like the whole story is this the original story oh yeah from 2005 um like uh these articles go all the way back to the very beginning of of what these guys were up to 
Yeah, and yeah. if the Google searches are to be believed, uh, Michael Patron, a.k.a. O- Omar Danani, is also a big cat guy. I think he owns a tiger. So, <laughs> <laughs> Important addition yeah. there. You, you got to know that these are the kinds of criminals that will buy tigers. That's a very important <laughs> context to all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like most people, uh, most typical people don't have like a tiger in their backyard yeah. that they just kind of hang with. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a chance to read much about Omar or, or Michael. Uh, I know at one point the Canadian, because he got deported uh, to Canada because he's where he's originally from. And uh, the Canadian government was seeking him for questioning. And he was like at large for many years. So it's like one of these guys is hiding from the Canadian government. The other guy faked his own death. Like these are the guys <laughs> of the Krasnodar are just fucking yucking it up with some someone. of my best friends in the world. <laughs> yeah. Faked Who among us doesn't have a couple of friends that are uh, hiding from the Canadian government or faking their own deaths? Who but they everyone's tigers. got that one homie that's faked their own death. <laughs> Everyone has that homie. They're so good though. They're so good in the conversation because he does basically make you feel like, yeah, I mean, he faked his own death, but that doesn't mean <laughs> Yeah. That's just the, the funny thing about Brian. He's just like, I know I didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, you're hanging out with a man who owns a tiger and is on the run from the Canadian government. Like, stop. Just like we know what you are. <laughs> It just the whole thing just makes it funny. Like the guy's screen name was the word thief in a different language. Like it doesn't get any more on the nose than that. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, no, he didn't seem too phased by you bringing no. that up. That it, his his uh, it was thief. Literally, the word thief. thief. Yeah. Like, he just, just, roll, just rolled right off him. He's Teflon, man. <laughs> I just the can't modern, believe. Yeah, how, the modern. No, sorry. I was gonna say I can't believe how how deep the lore is on these guys. I they, they're not like. They're what in their are they forty like, like forty one I think they they have to be at least forty at this point yeah because they were they've been operating since the early two thousands yeah this is just an incredible amount of uh, maybe maybe forty just doesn't feel old because I'm in my thirties but like it's it's I don't I I wouldn't have enough time to do all this shit this is no, so this is much crazy <laughs> these guys are just online doing stuff at all times man they're, they're grinding they're, they're reading <laughs> so hard. <laughs> I just yeah, like, I think you I think you nailed it early, Jules, when you said that like they've never had any other job. They've never done anything else. They, they literally have big at the they wake up and, every day and live for this shit. And obviously they're rich as hell. Yeah. They so, yeah. so they got yeah. into Bitcoin. So Michael Patrin on his exchange, by Brian's own admission that he told me just an hour ago, he's the guy who got this Michael Patrin into crypto. He has a whole article about how he got that guy into crypto. He got he him. He bragged start- about it on our show yeah. an hour ago. <laughs> like, he's like, bragged about it. There's like email bragged screenshots of him like, hey, you should start taking Bitcoin. And the guy at Michael was like, I don't know what this is. What is this, this crypto thing? Then four years later, he's on the run from the Canadian government and his business partner fucking faked his own death. Like, Come on. And Brian's like, Honestly, yeah, that was I, me. I do have to say, I do have to say, the, the Crescentines are a little bit of an aspirational case because like all of us want to just be able to make a living living from posting right like mm-hmm. they're a little aspirational in, in, in a re- really dark way like they're doing what most of us wish we could be doing <laughs> i've been reading about this these guys for nonstop. i wish i'd started earlier i've been but i've been reading about them for like nonstop for the last like three days because it's just so fucking crazy when you read these stories and i got to watching that netflix documentary and again that's like on the tertiary like it doesn't really have anything to do with them but it's like the people they're they're like <laughs> they came up with I didn't even get into like the Hill Reporter. Apparently, the guy that they sold it to is this 
big weirdo. Like there's just unending lore. You're, you're talking about the, the thing that they sold their website yeah, the Hill, to? Is what yeah, you're talking they about? sold their, the Hill Reporter to uh, some Romanian millionaire or something. I, you know, I, I'm probably wrong about that. Don't, don't hold me to that. But I remember reading like some comments like this guy's a fucking freak and I meant to get to it, but I just didn't have the chance. It's like all these people that they're interacting with in, whether it's the Ronald Plump book, uh, the hill reporter.com, <laughs> their various financial crimes. It's just like, or did you know that they, um, they started their own NFT line and they bought, uh, one of Ivanka Trump or Ivana Trump's, uh, uh Tiffany Trump, Tiffany Trump, excuse me, her NFT. Oh yeah. my God. Tiff- Tiffany Trump being the like liberal, like the anti-Trump, <laughs> the resistance, Trump, right? Trump. <laughs> yeah, the resistance Trump. She, she did an NFT. Yeah. I didn't even know that yeah. shit. They Holy, bought each oh other's NFTs. It's just so fucking funny. Like they're just, <laughs> you have like you have to give them credit for like how hard they are in the paint on just any like it, any conceivable like grift or scheme or the flim flam like they're there they, there's probably a wikipedia page that links to theirs about them like <laughs> i think it would be really beautiful content caleb if for one of your upcoming live streams you just did research on the krasensteins live for an audience <laughs> drink every time a wikipedia page links to theirs yeah they're literally like the forest gump of, of like online scams they've been in it since the beginning <laughs> I mean, it goes back to 2004. How many? How many people do you know, like on online, uh, like in in our sort of circles that go back to 2004? Like, not mm-hmm. many people. <laughs> what were we gonna say, Jules? I, this just feels like. Listen, this is just a gut feeling. Don't you know? I don't want to get sued, but this feels <laughs> like one of those cases where it's you know there, there's there's these people. They're in the public eye. They're super loud. They've got all these like weird kind of connections but nothing really they're, they're teflon until perp walked by the fbi out the front door like laundry list of charges you know all these weird connections they're like everybody like, knows like about everyone them. yeah everyone knows about it Every, everyone kind of knows what's going on but no one wants to say it sort of deal no but it's but just a very like public persona that seems bulletproof but obviously the pattern is is it's obvious. The pattern is like low key criminal, or at the very least, like low key fraud without directly. Well, dipping the reason in the that crime. their house was seized, the rental house was seized because of wire fraud. Let's just call it what it is. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. That's why the other people went under. And it just makes you kind of wonder, like, okay, so they had to give up our rental house, but they who, how much money did they make off this, and how did they get away with? Um, no further punishment. They didn't, you know, in the letter that the DOJ wrote, it does speak to like, if any other, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing poorly here. I wish I had it in front of me, but the DOJ letter, when it, when they talked about this was like, yes, we seized their house. Uh, they're not being charged. However, we can't two things. We can't speak to whether any other branch of the federal government is going to charge them. However, if they did, this could be considered, uh, you know, like a note of good behavior for any other future investigations. Like it's in the letter, so I just, I just don't know, like to what level they cooperated, or uh, I just, I don't know. It's, there's just so many questions, so much smoke. I mean, uh, again, I don't want to like come out and straight up accuse them of, of 
any further or ongoing crimes, but like, holy shit, like how much smoke does there need to be before? Well, like, he also said something very weird in the interview to me, which was when you said, are you worried about any other federal agencies? He said, I know for a fact that no other federal agency is coming yeah, after us. Like, really? You do? Because I your mean, buddies I think that's were just the thing to say. <laughs> Yeah, I just the way yeah. he said it was such conviction. I, I get what you're saying, and the reason yeah. the reason that it was weird to me is like, well, like he's all oh, the statute of limitations, this and that. Like, well, no, because like people that were like advertising on your site, I tried to list some off, but he wasn't really. We had to move the conversation, and it was dragging, to be frank. But a couple of companies that were like advertising, uh, doing the same things, like just got popped about seven months. It was December of 2022, so not that long ago. What is that? That was like. Almost like nine, nine months ago. So yeah, it's just about nine months. Like, yeah. That's not actually the case. If they're building a case against you, I don't think the statute of limitations is, is going to apply in the way that you think it does. So the only way that you might know that there's not a case against you is if you're cooperating. So I don't know. That was just what I thought. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, I'm not that's making what it sounds like. Yeah. I'm not making any accusations. I'll make the accusation. I I think they <laughs> gave up a bunch of money snitched on like whatever Russian mob people or whoever, whoever they could, you know get you know get got instead of them um and like walked away from it every all of this points to that like they settled quote unquote i don't i don't even know what that means uh in the context of a doj investigation but like yeah they gave up a ton of money and walked out scot-free as like oh we barely had any involvement like yeah that's what happens when you when you <laughs> like turn other people in to the like higher up people they're not yeah i don't think they're masterminding this again they're just trying to they're picking up the scraps from other people who are like th like this is the they're Elon forum mods dude they're not masterminding anything they're just like <laughs> <laughs> well, well that is the thing is like they just feel like guys that kind of have been really online for a long time that have i mean and and, and of course they've gotten involved with like a lot of crazy people but like they're yeah they're not like an elon type but they, they get along with elon because that's the mm -hmm. kind of circles they run in you that's know the next, like, i mean at this point i assume they're fully legitimate because they are able to make money but you know, through the attention they've gotten rather than through like, you know, posting Ponzi schemes. I also just don't think that they really need to worry about money too much. Excuse me. Um, if you think about like, uh, this is for, for whack and June and Alex, if you think about the last time we interviewed him, he was like, well, I don't make money on this. I don't make money on that. I don't make money on any of this. It's like, well, what are you making your money on? And it's like, okay, well shit back in 2011, <laughs> you were getting exchanges to start accepting Bitcoin. So I would imagine they have a lot of money from that, that they just don't need to worry about. Yeah. Definitely. And of course, I mean, we, we already brought up and uh, like they are landlords. They have been landlords like the, they, they have done a lot of these different types of financial situations that they've they I mean, not that being a landlord is going to get you got. But in, in that one case where the, that one property was seized, like they, they have been involved with the, so many different types of schemes. That's why I didn't like I don't think it's a big deal. The amount of money they got paid, because I don't think twenty five thousand dollars is a lot of money to them. Probably no, not. it's not. No. It's not. I think, I mean, I think it's confirmed. I just can't remember where I've seen this, but like, I, I almost think that they've admitted that, yeah, they're, they're Bitcoin millionaires. Like that's just, they've got the money in the bank They're And it's kind of obvious looking at sort of the, the bigger picture of how they're living and who they are. Like, yeah, these guys don't have to worry about, again, having, never having had a job. They just have to keep grinding to like grow, grow their empire. Uh, this, you know, there's no, I think we can clearly tell that they are just you know rich and ambitious and kind of bored yeah so i 
have here on this uh, last slide that I have designed, I have um, some of the extra information. So Talk Gold and Moneymaker Group, um, those were the two websites that they owned. Um, that was run. Those just sound like scam websites. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they, they, they like all 30 sound websites like scams. Like Every single one of these things have sounded like scams. Well, the Russian <laughs> the the mafia one was called Perfect Money. Like, <laughs> Perfect <laughs> Money. Yeah. Yeah. When he said that in the interview and he was like, yeah, there was a site called Perfect Money, I was like, you believed anything perfectmoney.com had to say to you? <laughs> um, yeah. And he, uh, uh, Patrin was going by the French word for thief. Um, he offered Shadow Crew members, which was his site, right? Well, ShadowCrew.com, rated by the Secret Service for yeah. currency fraud, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he was advertising on Talk Gold and Moneymaker Group. And Brian claimed in our interview that. That was because Google AdSense was the one serving those ads. Yeah, no, no, bro. Well, that was just so funny too because like I'd ask them like specifically, do any of these companies advertise with you? Well, I can't remember. It was so long ago. Like, no, did they? Like, come on, you know, you know. Do not recall, yeah, no, he, Your he, Honor. He, he, it really felt like, and I, I'm, I'm sure it's probably the case where, like, yeah, I mean, he brought up his lawyer at one point, like, the, his, like, he's probably well rehearsed in how to handle these kind of questions. I don't think he was, I don't think he was ready for it to come from us, especially because of our last conversation, where, like, our last conversation when he got unbanned about, like, what was that, like, we, we talked to him about six months ago or so, like, it was a lot kinder than this, this current one. Well, he, um, hadn't I just don't done, think he was ready. It was like right before I think the Bud Light stuff popped off, and they started being really. Yeah. More, a lot more transphobic. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think the Bud Light stuff, and like you said, Jules, they're ideological conservatives. I think the Bud Light stuff triggered them just in the same way it did a lot of other psychos. I mean, and 12 minutes after uh, he got off, I, and I looked at the timestamps, 12 minutes after he got off the call with us, he was both sidesing um, Carlos Santana doing transphobia at a live concert. I mean, like <laughs> 12 minutes is all it took for him to get right back to it. Awesome. I don't know if we're ever going to talk to them again, but I think that. No, that <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I felt like after that, I, I feel like, like, I'll be honest, he's the type of guy. And, he would and fucking they're come both back. the kind he of guy. He would come back every would. time. But, yeah. but I, I feel like our, where we left off was a lot less gracious. Uh, like, I feel like we could. But but I don't know if we will. I don't know if we I don't will. know that we have anything left to say. That's to the thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I, you're right. But I do right. think we kind there of, is more research that we want to do and more information out there about them. I do want to say, yeah, Caleb, yeah there's the, the the confidential informant on that shadowcrew.com case is about to get out of jail in a few weeks, and uh, I have not. I just found out about this like within the last 48 hours, a lot of this stuff. So I am going to reach out. I want to know what he has to say about Ed and Brian specifically. Uh, I would be very curious. I don't know if he'd be willing to talk to me at all because, you know, so many reasons, but I would be very curious to see what that guy has to say about uh, how he got to, they got to cooperate and walk or, or whatever. Um, a lot, a lot of interesting stuff. It's there. the third Krasenstein brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's Ken Klippenstein. Yeah, so this, this the guy's fourth. the fourth, uh, <laughs> the fourth. The fourth I feel so bad for Ken. <laughs> That that joke is just like I at love this that he point, gets confused for a Krasenstein uh, so often. It's funny yeah. as hell to me, but yeah, it's probably yeah. not if you can. 
But I don't know. I don't think we're going to really spend too much time on this show talking about that much going in the future. Maybe some like when we start doing more of our, because we just did our first stream last night, which was fun. Thank you for showing up. Those of you who did um, that kind of stuff, like follow-ups on old episodes that we don't want to keep talking about and just things we couldn't really fit into the main show would yeah. be fun to do. I will keep you guys updated on that specifically. And if you yourself have any information about the Krasenstein's, we would love to share that. <laughs> you can stay anonymous. You. We should set up like a, a telegram or something. We should. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Jules, I think, I think we're about ready to wrap up this, this then. Uh, yeah. Jules, that was really thank fun. Thank you for uh, coming on and expanding a little bit on like the kind of modern state of the Krasensteins. Uh, yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad I got to do it. I love this topic. This is, uh, this is. I mean, I mean, fantastic. it sounds like you're a little bit like me. You're, you're like me, where like I've known about the Krasensteins for like six or seven years, like like in their like boom, like the Trump the Trump reply guy era, and like seeing them now is just kind of like a far cry from where they used to be, you know? Yeah, the, it's the lore. It's it's understanding yeah. that that's so much deeper than this yeah. uh, this like <laughs> vapid nonsense that they're dropping on Trump. It's it's so much better now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think, Thank you so much for having me. This is this is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Where where can people find you? Uh, just on Twitter at Jules underscore su. Um, that's that's where you'll always see me uh, yelling at the Christmas <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Horace. Thank you. Hey, uh, that's it for the main feed episode. If you want to listen to the Patreon episode where we have a conversation with Brian Krasenstein that made him angry enough to tweet about it and <laughs> for Elon Musk to respond, um, you can hear that at patreon.com slash Western Kabuki. We are also going to be putting up a pretty sizable preview of it that you can hear on the main feed. Um, but yeah, hope you subscribe and either way, we'll talk at you next week. having done so.